This is Dorel Lalia, and you're listening to episode 24 of the Before the Millions podcast. Drop the beat. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7-Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. Hey, what's up? What's going on, guys? DeRay Olalaye here, and we're back for another jam-packed episode of the Before the Millions BTM podcast. This episode, guys, we're interviewing Julie Broad, and Julie's an amazing, guys. She is a best-selling Amazon author. She started out her entrepreneurial journey in the real estate niche, and she still invests in real estate to this day. But her current focus, guys, is to help self-publishers sell their work and non-writers boost their brands and gain credibility through their books. So she's going to teach us how to establish ourselves as an authority in our field, how to energize our brands, and how to publish our book and make sure that our book rises to the top of the pack. So super, super good episode, guys. I can't wait to jump in it. You know, it's funny. I'm in Austin, Texas right now, and pretty soon I'm going to be on my way to the UT Kansas game. And and I was thinking there's a major difference between being able to hand out a book that you've written, that you've authored, and just being able to hand out a business card. Everybody has a business card and you have a business card for two reasons, one or three reasons, maybe one so that they have your contact information and they can reach out to you, or maybe they can look you up and learn about you, or even just to be professional and and be known as an authority in your niche, which I guess doesn't really help that case. But having a book, you will be known as an authority in your niche. You will be known as a go-to expert, and you'll be able to hand out your book for your contact information and for people to look you up. I think that having a book gives you that much more clout. So I definitely suggest if you're in a niche or, you know, as some people like to say it in not the Western world, if you're in a niche that writing and publishing a book for your brand would be a good idea, which nine times out of 10, you are in a niche like that, then definitely start considering writing a book and self-publishing a book just to have that. And you never know how many people you can help with that book. You never know who you're going to touch with that book. It's not all about the things I just named, but the actual content of that book could really go a long way in somebody's life. So just definitely think about that and how you can incorporate that in your business. And I know I shouldn't be thinking about that on the way to a football game, but it's at the top of my mind because it's something that I definitely want to get back in the lab and, and start working away at. So just wanted to throw that out there, guys. Again, this episode is really, really good. Let's go ahead and get into our quick tip. DeRay's tip of the week. Majority of overnight successes were actually grinding it out day after day, month after month, year after year, trying different things and gaining tons of knowledge, reading books, doing research, trying different tools, all these things to make their business work, all these things to become profitable, all these things to gain more experience, to gain more knowledge in their niche. And finally, one day, something clicked or gradually over time, things started clicking, things started falling in place, but it comes to light all of a sudden. And it's like, oh, this person is an overnight success. Well, these books, these resources, these tools are things that I like to keep track of, are things that I like to share with people who are going along their journey. I've compiled a list of resources, of tools, of books, all in one area for everybody who's looking for guidance, for everybody who's looking for help, who's looking for 
direction in a certain area. And I've compiled all those resources in, on one page, guys. And that page is the Before the Millions resources page. Guys, so if you just want to give it a browse, take a look, visit that page, guys. It's updated constantly. It's beforethemillions.com slash resources. That's beforethemillions.com slash resources. And on that page, guys, I have tons of tools, tons of books to kind of help you along your way, guys. I think that some of these books are books that quite literally have changed you know my perspective and millions of perspectives out there a lot of these books are amazon bestsellers and they really have had an impact on some of the most high achieving entrepreneurs in the world so definitely take a look go visit beforethemans.com slash resources and check out some of the tools as well guys there are a plethora of tools on there to help you and your business grow to help you get into real estate investing to help you automate your business guys the page is amazing. So like I said, it's updated frequently just for you guys. So definitely take advantage of the page before the millions.com slash resources. And that's today's tip of the week. And now your feature presentation. Today, I'd like to welcome Julie Broad to the show. Hey, Julie, how's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show. I'm super excited to interview you. It's, it's a pleasure. Julie, by the way, is an entrepreneur. She's been on Amazon's overall bestseller list as an author, of course. And she's an entrepreneur. She's in the real estate space. She's raised over, I believe, what, $4 million for your real estate deals at this point? I haven't counted, but it's definitely in the multi, multi-millions. Multi, multi-millions. Well, Julie, that's fascinating stuff. And I, too, am a multifamily syndicator, so I'm definitely interested in that part of your story and also again your your book sales on Amazon but let's let's start from the beginning Julie let's talk about this whole entrepreneurial inception and how it came about and maybe what what kind of turned your ear over to this stuff because it's fascinating stuff not everybody can be an entrepreneur and you've been on this path and you've been successful on this path so I think that there's a lot to take away from your story so let's maybe start let's start with the good old days and work our way up <laughs> the good old days. This is where you, get to, you get to find out that I'm I'm not super young anymore. But yeah, it all started. Re- I was thinking about it the other day. I'm, I'm writing my third book, and so you kind of you do a lot of reflection when you write books. And I have working with one of the writing coaches on our team, and he's always like, "Give me a story for this." So I was thinking back, and it was I was in the office, and we were just chatting with coworkers. It's one of those conversations, is like any other conversation you'd have, except this one completely changed my life because one of my coworkers recommended a book. She said her daughter had read it and it's really changed what her daughter's doing. So I drove to a bookstore because that's what you had to do in 2001. (laughs) (laughs) I drove to a bookstore and I bought Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read the book and it kind of flipped my whole world upside down. I grew up with entrepreneurial parents. At least I looked at them as entrepreneurs. But really when you read the book, what they did was they they built themselves a job. They owned and operated a 20-room motel, and they were literally on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If somebody wanted to check into a room at 2 a.m., my dad would put on his house coat, go downstairs, and rent them a room. So, I mean, they did well as motel owners, but they really, they had a job for themselves. And so I started to think, okay, what can I do to get my money working for me so that I don't always have to work for my money? And I looked around, and I just Stock seemed like gambling to me, and I was on this path where I was going to go back to school to do my MBA. So I didn't want to have something that I had to start a business, like really dig in and get a business going. So real estate was the answer. And and so 2001, I, I created this plan that I called Freedom 35. And my plan was by 35, I didn't have to work for somebody else. And I told my boyfriend at the time about the plan, and he said, let's do it. So he got on board with me, and we started buying property. And our first property was September 2001. That's amazing, Julie. So this plan, this Freedom 35 plan, I really want to dive into that a little bit more and, and kind of see how you structured that plan because there's a difference between buying property for capital gains and buying property for cash flow. So let's yeah. talk about this plan and what, what exactly was entailed in this plan and how you started how you started kind of cultivating your investing needs in the real estate space to, to match the plan and to make sure that you were free by 35. Well, I ended up being impatient and I left my job when I was, I think it was 31, barely 31 when I left my job, not because I was ready, (laughs) just because I was impatient. Financially, it was actually a terrible time to do it, but we'll probably touch on that later. 
the plan was that I would have the cash flow to live on. That's not the reality. That's not what happened. Because when I first started buying the property, I had a job. So it was one of those things where you'd buy something and you'd get it close enough. And I didn't worry about the cash flow so much as, as just getting property. I mean, I, I didn't want to buy things that cost me money every month. But again, the goal was I was looking 10, 12 years down the road when I did this because I was 23 when I started buying property. So yeah, I didn't really have a good plan. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, which is how I wrote my first book because we made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, as we actually started chasing cash flow, we made even bigger mistakes because we started focusing solely on the numbers. We started looking just for those properties that would give us, we could put the least amount of money possible into and get the best cash flow from. And we couldn't use banks because the banks wouldn't finance us. And that led to a lot of problem properties because the the deals that you can do in a lot of cases where you don't have to put money in and they have great numbers, they're other people's problems that they can't wait to get rid of. And by taking on other people's problems, it made for an excellent book. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. So you bought your first property at 23, correct? Yeah, I think that's how old I was. I'd have to do the sit down and do the math, but that's not right. (laughs) Around 23, around 23. And then when did you write your first book? It was released in 2013. 2013. So this wasn't along the same timeline. This was a while later that you wrote your first book. Yeah, much later because I mean, a lot of the problems, part of it was the problems take time sometimes to crop up. And our, some of the biggest ones were around a sixplex and a fourplex that we bought. And the one became a a known crack house. It was actually in the paper as a crack house. And it was in a really rough neighborhood. Nobody would manage it except for this one guy. And this one guy actually ended up punching a tenant who later died. He fell his head on the cement and later died in the hospital. So our property manager got charged with manslaughter and he was let out like house arrest basically. So he could go to do his job during the day, but that was it. And just all the stuff that went on for him as a result of this, it was an accident. The property spiraled down, but nobody would take it over and we didn't live in that city. So it was just a nightmare. And we learned a lot. All those, there's so many stories and all of them were preventable which is eventually, once we dug our way back out, I had a good story. And so that's what I wanted to share with people. And I actually, I'm not an advocate that everybody invests in real estate. I'm, I'm really like, it's not for everybody. If you do it, make sure you're using the right strategy to create the life that you want to live because not every strategy is going to work for you. I mean, fixing and flipping is stressful and it's so much work, yet people think, oh, they see it on TV and they think, ah, this is going to be so much fun. And yet it's, it's horrendous for some, if you want stability, it's the worst thing you could do for yourself. So you really got to yeah. think carefully. And so that's what my book was about. I love that. You hit it right on the head because it's like some people, they look, they look to fixing and flipping because it is fast cash. I wouldn't say it's easy cash, but it's faster. And one of those things to where as soon as you stop, like the minute you stop buying and fixing and flipping your last house, that's when the checks stop. So Mm -hmm. you literally have to keep going to be able to keep up whatever it is that you're doing. But if you're looking for cash flow, if you're looking for rentals, it's a whole different story. And I love that. So let's talk about your first deal at 23. What type of deal was it? What type of financing did you place on it? How did you find it? Do you remember all of that stuff? I was going to say, you you (laughs) did hear the part where this was 2001. And I've lived in five different cities since then, run three different companies. (laughs) That said, I still remember the deal to a certain degree. It was a duplex and it was on this steep hill, which is why we got it. It was in a foreclosure, which I... I'm from Canada originally, so this was in Canada. So our foreclosures are different than yours, but we still had to go to court and we we got this deal. Funny enough, just not funny as in humorous, interestingly. We went to court on September 11th, 2001. That's the day that we got our property. So it's one of those things where everybody always kind of knows what they were doing on that day. And that, that was my first deal. The financing was, I had money. I was about to go back to school to do my MBA. So I used the money that I was going to use for school to put a down payment on this property. And, and we financed it just at the bank. So it was a first deal. We didn't own a home or anything at that time. And that wait, was- Wait a minute. I'm sorry. You said that you used your money that you were going to use for school? Yeah, because you can get a student student loan really easily, but it's a lot harder to get bank financing. So I just got a student loan to pay for school, and I took my money that I'd saved for school and put it into the property. <laughs> wow. wow, that's amazing. So did you continue with school? What was the reasoning and the thought process behind that? It wasn't great reasoning. It's one of those things where I always tell people, if you want to be an entrepreneur, an MBA really isn't the best course to take. But for me, I had this thing that I needed to make a six-figure salary. It was just programming, right? It's not questioning why you're on a path that you're on. It's just kind of being on that path. And I was on a path where I wanted to go get a six-figure salary, where really 
all I wanted to do was run my own businesses and create my own life. But until you stop and actually look at what drives you and why you're pursuing something, you can end up in the wrong place, which is what happened to me. So I I thankfully was building real estate along the way. We kept buying. I think after that, the next year, we still, we did five deals and just kind of kept going from there. So at that point, you had decided that school was no longer for you and you used the loan with the intent, you got the loan with the intent of never kind of getting your MBA or was it one of those things to where you were, was a cost benefit analysis? I don't know if I was that analytical about it. I just was going to go to school regardless. That was the done deal. I was going back to school, but I knew I could get a student loan much easier than I was going to be able to finance this deal without a down payment. So I just put the money into the deal and then went and found student loans. That was, it wasn't analytical. Like I did an analysis on it. Again, I was a rookie. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to find ways to make things happen. Many years later, how did that work out for you? (laughs) That's great. I mean, I honestly, I wouldn't go do an MBA again. Like looking back, I would not do an MBA. I would just go and I would take the, I don't know, probably $40,000 that I put into doing an MBA, you know, between tuition and living costs. I would go and pay that to somebody and learn from them. Like, honestly, that's what I would do. Joey, I I love that so much, but you're upsetting a lot of people. So so (laughs) I'm in total alignment with you, but you're upsetting a lot of people. So let's, (laughs) let's maybe try to talk them through what you're thinking and why you would do that. If you want to be an employee, get an MBA, like 100%. And there's nothing wrong with being an employee. I am absolutely, like, entrepreneurial life is hell. So <laughs> it is a roller coaster of emotions. It's scary. So it really is not for everybody. There's nothing wrong with doing an MBA if you want to be a consultant or be a high-paid executive. An MBA is a great way to go. For me, though, I want to do my own thing. Like, we're, as we're sitting here, I just got back from the gym. So I'm still in my gym clothes. I want to create my own life. I want to do what's important to me. And I can't do that if I'm on somebody else's clock. So it just really isn't for me. And an MBA creates employees. They create great employees. They give you a network that will help you get phenomenal jobs. But if that's not the life you want to live, then an MBA isn't for you. Love it, love it, love it. Well, Julie, let's fast forward a little bit down your journey and talk about some more of your progress. So you started at 23. You started with the duplex. And were you mainly just buying small multifamily at the time? We buy commercial now. We're not very active anymore because we've moved from Canada to LA. So we have a portfolio back in Canada, which is another cool part. Like that's one of the reasons I, I do love real estate is it's allowed us to pursue things that excite us. My husband wanted to get into acting. So we sold a couple properties and I started a new business and we moved to United States into Los Angeles so he can do that. Couldn't do that without real estate. We wouldn't have the backing to do that. But yeah, we... <laughs> It's lifestyle design for us and real estate really, sorry, I've, I've, again, I've lost the question. I go down, I'm like, okay, I'm really excited to tell you <laughs> oh, about something. Really and then, I, <laughs> and really then I lose what your question was. <laughs> it's really good stuff though. I'm glad that you're even expressing some of these things to our audience. That's amazing. I love the, the freedom that you guys have and the, that you were able to do that. But no, just kind of progressing down your path. You bought your first duplex and I was just wondering how, how everything progressed from there. Did you continue buying small multifamily or did you kind of, when did you get into the commercial space. I know that I want to wait to, I don't know if you got to the commercial space before the crash. I want to talk about the crash really quick. So let's, let's lead up to the crash and see what you were investing in back then. Okay. Yeah, cool. I'll speed up to that. So yeah, we bought all single family duplex. I think the sixplex was our biggest in 2008. So that's what you're leading up to. Yep. That was the year that I quit my job. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, so wow. I, got to, I got to my six-figure salary. I don't know how many properties exactly we had then, maybe 12 or 14, so not a ton. And again, we weren't that focused on cash flow, but I just kind of woke up one day and I was sitting in, I, I had got to the vice president position in the company that I was working for, and I'd spent three months prepping for this, this big year meeting, like end of the year planning meeting. And I had done my presentation and then the next day my boss called me into the boardroom and he slid this single piece of paper across the desk to me and he said, okay, here's your three targets for the year. I ran the sales and customer service team and he said, here's your three targets for the year. Underneath are the five ways you're going to achieve them. It was like, he just like took me and shoved me in a corner and said, here's your targets and here's how you're going to achieve them. So I'm, I had, was fully accountable for the results, but I had zero control over how I was going to get them. And I kind of just went, I can't do this anymore. I just, just one of those moments where it's like, I just can't do it. So I called my new husband. We just got married and I called him and I said, I got to quit. And it wasn't, I got to quit. I'm looking for something new. It was just, I got to quit and finally create a life for myself, which was scary because guess what his job was at the time? What was He's it? He's a mortgage broker. 
<laughs> in 2008. Oh, in man. 2008. So um, brilliant, right? Our real estate is our backing, and my husband's a mortgage broker. Yeah. And, and I left my six-figure salary, which was supporting us. So we did what every newlywed couple wants to do. We moved back in with my parents. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. That's amazing. That's amazing. How long after that, that meeting did you quit? I mentally quit that day, but I actually, I was contractually obligated to give them three months notice being gotcha. one of the executives in the company. Yeah. Gotcha. So how did some of the employees or did, I mean, how expressive were you about your, your business outside of work? Did you talk about it much? Did everybody know what was going on? They all and knew how- that I was an investor. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Your superiors had no problem with that. No, they were totally fine. I was always very upfront. And in 2006, I even started writing a real estate newsletter just for, you know, just for fun, telling our friends and family about what we were doing and just sharing some of the lessons. And I, when I was about to publish the first one, I took a copy into my boss and told him what I was doing. But honestly, I think he was like, oh, what a cute little hobby. Like, I don't really think that he put any merit or any weight on what I was doing. That's incredible. That's incredible. (laughs) It, it It just goes to show you like what people's perceptions are. But that's amazing. So you survived the crash. And yeah. you survived it thriving or you survived it barely? <laughs> it was rough. I mean, really. But I mean, it's one of those things where the opportunities were plentiful and the, we dug in. It was really hard. Our mantra, we were also doing P90X at the time. You know, have you ever heard of P90X with Tony? Yeah. So he, he, had this, he just kept saying, just keep pressing play. You keep doing the workouts. Well, that was kind of our mantra every day was just keep pressing play, right? Like just keep digging. And it took us about two years till we were fully on our feet and living on our own and sustaining ourselves. And we bought, a, bought our own home again and could move back and stand on our own. But I wouldn't change it because not only did it teach me that I can get through anything and I'm not afraid to start things when I want to try something new. I'm not afraid because if you can get through that, you can get through anything. But also the opportunities were plentiful. So whenever it's rough, it's the best time to be out there digging in and finding deals. Like when everybody's going, woo, I want to be in real estate and everything's going up and up and up. That's not a good time, right? To me, it's not, it's a great time to be selling. It's a great time to be kicking back and enjoying the rewards of the work when it was terrible and nobody else wanted to do it. But when it's terrible, as tough as it was, it was the absolute best time for us to be out there buying property. You're totally right. And it seems as though currently we're, we're approaching the peak of a market and everybody's kind of like scared and, and, and holding tight and just waiting to see what happens. And going back to what you said, I heard somebody say this the other day, like some people are like, this is the time I, I'm going to be buying because everybody's so scared. Everybody's waiting. Everybody's kind of holding on to their money, waiting for the crash so that they can go up and buy everything. But he's, just, I mean, similar to what you're saying, he's just like, no, like you can buy in any market. And if people are holding, this is the most people have that, have that mindset that's a hold right now where I'm, well, I'm going to buy and there's opportunity in every market. Millionaires were made in 08, millionaires were made in 09. There's ways, there's opportunities. So people ask, when is the best time to get into real estate? The best time to get into real estate was yesterday. So it's, it's always, I mean, there's always going to be a good deal in every market. You just, have, you just have to do your due diligence. So I think that's amazing. Let's fast forward a little bit, Julie. Let's, go, let's fast forward to 2013 because I'm really interested in your book and why you decided and how you decided to write a book. So what was the purpose behind the book? What prompted you to want to write a book? So one of the things I did to raise, we haven't really touched on the fact that to do all the deals that we've done over the years, we've raised a lot of money, especially 2008. We had, I mean, we didn't have any income and I was living with my parents, which is also a really interesting pitch when you're raising money, by the way. (laughs) Where do you live? (laughs) But anyway, I built a brand. That's really what I did. So I started that newsletter that I started in 2006. In 2008, when I quit my job, I looked at it and I didn't have a website and it already had almost, I think, 700 people on the list. And that was just from people forwarding it on saying like, you got to read this, get on their list. And so I was manually adding people. So I I built a website and I ended up creating a training and education company and started writing and speaking and doing just things to get out there and share what we were doing. And then I started coaching a few people on the side. But what that did for me was it built this brand where people would contact and say, hey, I hear your investor can can you work with my money? So through all that, Wiley and a couple other publishers started talking to me about a potential book deal. So it was 2011, actually, when I started talking about a book. And I love, I love the idea of writing a book. I've always kind of been interested in writing. But in the end, I went back and forth quite extensively. And they ended up saying, you know what? We don't think you have a strong enough marketing platform, which means they didn't think that I was going to be able to sell enough books for it to be worth their while. 
So I got turned down and I was absolutely devastated because I was like, I just had this set thing. Like I'm going to be an author and they're going to publish me. It's going to be fantastic. But it's funny because they actually didn't even want me to publish the book that I wanted to write. They, in the end, I think we were doing a proposal on real estate investing for couples, which like who would read that? But <laughs> anyway, they didn't like my pitch of the real stories of real estate investing because they said, oh, we've, we've done so many other like general real estate books. We don't need that. So I self-published. I wrote the book that I, I knew needed to be written because everybody was talking about how to get rich in real estate. Nobody was saying, hey, listen, like real estate has advantages, but you got to be careful and make sure you're doing the right deals for you. And maybe you shouldn't even be a real estate investor, which was what my book was all about. So I self-published and a lot of people really loved that I was being real because it wasn't something that you were seeing a lot of at that time. And people got behind it and the book ended up going, you know, keeping in mind, a publisher said I wasn't going to be able to sell books. And this book went to number one overall in Canada, $24 print book. It's hanging out with Dan Brown, the Game of Thrones series. It sat up there for a day and a half at number one, and it was in the top 100 for 45 days. So it crushed anything that that publishing house had ever put out <laughs> in real estate, at least in its like short term. And it's still, four years later, it's still selling really well. So it was pretty fun. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that a lot. So this book that you published, how did you go about finding, I guess, knowing how to even go about publishing the book, knowing how to go about writing the book, knowing where to get your cover art from? Like, how did you go about all this stuff? Did you take some type of training or you just kind of figured it out as long as you as I you did know? so much research, but it took hundreds of hours, which is why when I started thinking about a business is why I started the company that I have today, because it is and I made mistakes. I made, I made one specific mistake that cost me $1,200. I got this bill and it was $1,200 US as a Canadian. You know, if there's any Canadians listening, they know, you know, 25%, 30% ding on the currency exchange. So it was, it was a killer mistake. And it was just a single checkbox that I didn't check. And it, that was a big bill. So I didn't do everything right. I made a lot of mistakes, but I also spent hundreds of hours to get the team together, to do all the pieces, to figure out what I had to do next, which is something that I think most people don't have time to do. So I think it's so much better to just hire somebody that already knows all this stuff and can take care of it for you. But yeah, I was, I'm one of those people who figures things out. And so I just dug in and just research, read a lot of books, read a lot of, went on a lot of forums and just figured it out. But I made mistakes. Let's back up with the book writing just, just a little bit, because I want to yeah. give our listeners some context for listeners who are entrepreneurs and investors, but may not specifically have the skill to write a book or may not have yeah. the time to write a book. But we have entrepreneurs from all walks of life that are in different businesses. And who would you say should have a book or should write a book? What's the importance of that? Yeah, well, it depends. So it's one of those things where I think a lot of people could write a book, but it could be really boring. And I'm not a big fan of boring books. <laughs> You got to think about what your goal for writing a book is. And I think every entrepreneur and professional really should have a book because it's the differentiator. People say it's the business card, but it, to me, it's a degree because, and I know this for a fact, because before my book, I couldn't get on TV as the expert after my book. It's like literally the next day, TV is calling me, looking to talk to me. I wasn't getting any payment for speaking before my book. After my book, there was payment and, and negotiations and partnerships and things that arose because of the book. So I actually think a book is almost mandatory if you want to take yourself to that next level and really be known as the expert but you also need to do a great book. And so if you're not a writer or you're not sure about your stories, that's where I think, that's why in my company, Book Launchers, I start everybody with a writing coach because the writing coach will work with you to figure out, first of all, we figure out, do you even have a good book in you? Do you have good enough stories? And then they create an outline with a hook that is ultimately going to get your goal because obviously you want to sell books, but why? Do you want to raise money for real estate? Do you want to raise your prices as a consultant? Do you want to get paid as a speaker? So there's end goals. You want to know that starting out because you'll craft your book slightly different. You also need to know who you're targeting with your book. And then ultimately what's going to be interesting and what's in it for that reader? Because it's not about you. You think your book's about you, but it has absolutely zero to do with you. It's all about what is that reader going to get? How is it going to make them more attractive, richer, more famous? That's what your book needs to be about. And if you've got stuff like experience, research, stories. You've even like Napoleon Hill, people say, well, I, I, don't have, I don't have a good enough story yet to write my book. Well, Napoleon Hill, it wasn't his story, right? No. So you, <laughs> if you really want a book. You can become the expert by finding the people and interviewing them. And what a great way to put yourself into a new circle of people. But yeah, we'll work with you to help 
help guide that whole process because it is a process. And if you do it on your own, you'll probably take two or three years versus if you work with us, you'll probably get your book done in six months. So I love that. So before we kind of continue on this path, trying to figure out who should create a book and when they should create it and how they should create it, let's talk about your, your company book launchers and how that came into inception and, and talk about the features of the company, what all you guys do and, and who you guys as target market and audience is. Yeah, sure. So I started the company just this year. So I just launched it, but I've been I've been building it for years really because because of the success of my first book and then I published a second book last year. A lot of people come to me for help. Even even people with traditional book deals were coming to me for help with their books, not just selling it, but figuring out reading it and making sure the content was positioned for their audience. So I've actually had my hand in book projects for years but never paid for it. And also the other piece I kept seeing was, oh my goodness, it was so much work for me to explain to people, okay, here's how you go find your copy editor. Here's how you go and hire somebody who will create a great cover. And then this is what you need to know to make sure you've got all the right elements on your cover. So I was spending all this time doing it for free. And I just kept thinking, if I just had the team that I could just say, here, go hire, like, here's my team in a nice big package with a bow on top, just hire my team. And so I kept doing that. And then when it when we decided to move to the States and I wanted to create a new business to be down here, I just, it was obvious to me to start it. And it was also obvious to me that I wanted to work with people who don't consider themselves writers. I really want to work with the people like myself who have stories to share, expertise that will help people and that can build or grow their business. Or I I do, because of my background, I work with quite a few people in the real estate space. And what a phenomenal way to raise money or as a real estate agent to get new clients, to give, you know, what a great gift to give at Christmas time is the book that you wrote that tells why you're the person they need to work with and tell all their friends about. So I work with a lot of people like that. But health and fitness people, anybody who has a message to share that has a business to build around that book, that's really my sweet spot for who we work with. And and we work, we have people who don't write at all, but because you're working with a writing coach, the writing coach doesn't write, but they'll, they do a granular detailed outline and you can speak it and try to get it transcribed. And then we have four different people will read your book when you work with us. So it's very well edited. And this is a book that could sit on the shelves of Barnes and Noble at the end. This is not, this is not get to a book really fast and cheaply. This is get to a book that is, you're going to be proud to hand to anybody and you're going to, it really can, if you want it to be on Barnes and Noble, it can sit on the shelf because it's, you can't tell the difference between that and a Wiley published book. I love that so, so much. So before we kind of get into it, because I still want to kind of get into like giving away some actionable steps for listeners to, mm-hmm. to go out and use a book to enhance their brand. But before we kind of get into that, Julie, maybe talk about one or two success stories that kind of went through your book launchers program and now their, their books are doing amazing. I would love to, but we just launched in May. So I'm not sure exactly when this podcast is coming out, but, but yeah, we're new. So, but we do have some clients who are saying like, I have one client who actually just gave us a testimonial because he's written two or three books on his own. And now he's working with us. And he said, I don't know why I ever did this on my own. He said the process of working with our team from the writing coach now moving into the editorial phase, he's just like, I'm saving so much time. And this book is way better than any book I've ever done by myself. So can't say at the end that they're rich and famous now, but I know for a fact that everybody's going to have a phenomenal book that's positioned to achieve their goals. And ultimately, there's only so much we can do because you still have to get out there and be the expert and stand on that stage or whatever, whatever it is, is your goal to get there. But we work really hard on our side to make sure that people are achieving, not just getting a great book, but at the end of the day, that book helps them get to that goal that they they're dreaming of at the end of it. Okay. So let's break it down now. Let's say I'm a health and fitness coach, uh, example you used earlier, and I I come to you guys and I'm looking to have a book made. How does this process go? What's, what, what are first steps and kind of what's the timeline? Yeah. So uh, timeline's tough because it depends on size of book and how much work you put into it. But so the health and fitness, I'll work with the one, one woman that came to us, which is the health and fit. Actually, we have a couple, but the one specifically that I'm thinking of, she had an idea and she has a company already. So she kind of, the theme of her company and the idea, the concept, right? So, but from there you have to dig in and figure out, okay, what's the actual hook? Because a theme, right? So her theme is love your body. Well, I'm kind of reaching here just so I don't give away her exact concept, but her theme is love your body, but that's not a hook, right? So you got to now dig in. So she sits down with the writing coach and they talk about her stories and the examples and what her message is and what her goal is at the end of it. Might be in her case, let's say it's workshops. She wants to now sell workshops 
that help people with this new concept that she has. So now we have to come up with what's that thing. And so her thing is, again, I don't want to give away, so I'm trying to make something up, but how to be more comfortable in your body in seven days, right? Or how to fit those jeans better in seven days. So it's got like a little bit of a hook. Like now you're kind of curious, like what are you doing that's going to help me in seven days? So that's your hook. So then you craft the outline and every chapter has to have something to support that hook. So it's all feeding through. A couple of tips for people. Chapters, those titles. So once you have a great cover, people obvious, a cover is obvious, right? You have to have a brilliant cover so people get curious. The title needs to capture curiosity, but also have people go, oh yeah, that's for me, right? So you got, you got to have the title and the subtitle working together. Assuming that works, where do people go next? They go to the table of contents and they skim the chapters. So those chapters have to be, those titles have to be phenomenal. And what happens if you happen to get media too, media, 98% of them will never read your book, but what they'll do is they'll flip open to the chapter and they'll go, oh, chapter seven, it says, where are the ladies? What is that all about? right? Or chapter six is you are who Google says you are. What's that all about? So you want to make sure those chapter headlines are selling your book. And so that's really like you spend probably a month or two months making sure that your outline is solid. You've got great chapter headlines and then you start writing. But once you've got all that, you can write so much faster because you know exactly what you're writing about. You know why you're writing and it's so much more clear. So that's a big thing. I think a lot of people sit down and start writing and don't plan it out and they waste a lot of time and write a lot of stuff that's not good. Okay. So, so Julie, a couple questions from there. So what is her or any person in, in, in writing, working with you guys, what is their involvement? How much is their involvement? And when you say writing, who is writing or is the customer writing the person that's looking to have the book made or are you guys writing the book for them? How, how does this all work? Yeah. So we help people write. And again, if you don't want to write it, you can speak it. We will create a very granular outline. We're working with one person who actually cannot write. He does not have, as a pretty incredible story, and he didn't finish very much schooling at all, so he, he really can't write. So we're doing a little bit more writing for him. But typically what we're doing is helping you become an author because it, a lot of people are authors, but they've never really written a book. So you become an author and we're guiding you through it. But if you don't like writing or you don't have time, one of our clients is on TV every single day. She doesn't have time. She's got to plan her next show and prep for her next show every night. So she gets in her car and the 45 minute drive home, she's recording. She just talks and records her next section of her book, gets it transcribed. And then as our editors go through it, we're turning it into a book that's more like something that you would write versus what you would speak. So there's there's a way to write the book, but we don't actually, we're not ghostwriters. You're writing the book. At the end of the day, you can hold it proud and say, I wrote this sucker. That's amazing. Okay. Well, I guess one of the natural questions that our audience is probably wondering are what are your fees and how are your prices structured? We're membership based. So as long as you're a member, one of our professionals works on your book and that gives you a lot of flexibility. That way you can come into the process with a partly done manuscript or you can leave at a certain point. Some of our clients have graphics companies, so they don't need our services once they get to the layout and the cover part. So it just really gives you flexibility. Most people come in at the beginning and work with us. They're planning to work with us all the way through to the end. But there are different pricing structures depending on which level of service you want. But generally speaking, most people will come in at what we call the platinum level. It's $600 a month, or you can prepay for a year at 6,500. Although those prices are going up. So depending on when you're listening to this, that may have been a good deal. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. I love that. And thank you for that context. So what would you say is the biggest mistake would-be authors or self-publishers make when looking to have their own book? I think, first of all, is a lot of people write really boring books. And I say this with respect to people in the real estate industry, but having read probably 100 real estate books over the years, there's a lot that sound exactly the same, like the exact same. And even though I know you didn't copy somebody else's book, it's boring because you're saying the exact same thing. So I think people really, that's one piece. And I, that's why I started People with a Writing Coach, because it wouldn't be boring if you dug into your own stories, brought in your own stories, made it unique, brought in your own voice instead of just regurgitating the commonly held beliefs. And take a look at the things that are commonly held, like those commonly held beliefs. And what don't you believe? What do you question? And if you start sharing that kind of stuff, that's going to be interesting and intriguing. So I think boring books is one thing. And the second thing is because it's easier than ever to self-publish, like KDP, the Kindle company by Amazon, they have a free service that will help you create a cover and help you do an interior layout. So you, it's easy to say, well, hey, why am I paying you $600 a month to do this? But 
So let's put it this way. Would you want somebody who has never wielded a hammer to build you a house? Right? Are you going to buy a house from somebody who has never done this before? They don't know where anything goes. They don't know how to read a blueprint. Right? So you can have the tools, but not know how to do it. <laughs> but yet I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, were like, I'm going to go figure this out. But guess what? It's going to be terrible. Right? It's, you're not going to know. It might look okay on the surface, but it won't achieve your goal because you didn't know what you were doing. Right? It's like a house that's poorly built. It's going to fall down or <laughs> it won't last long. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So let's wrap up the book segment and talk about the back end. So now you have your book published. You guys have done a wonderful job in, in helping an entrepreneur publish a book. What's next? How do they get sales? How do you know that you've written a book that would sell? There are over 8 million books on Amazon and it's growing every day. How do you stand out? Do you guys offer some type of service that helps with that? Or is it just, here's the book, here's the final product. Now you got to kind of figure this out. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, there are no guarantees. If anybody's ever giving you a guarantee, there's some sort of a gimmick involved because it's just, it's impossible to know with certainty. That said, if you come to us with an idea, we're going to help you craft a book that's very marketable at the end of the day. So versus if you come to us with a finished book, I might turn you away because you probably didn't plan the marketing in advance and now that's why it's not selling. So there are things that you can do that ensure that you're going to be a lot more successful than if you don't do them. And what we do is it depends on the book and depends on the goal. So it's not universal in what we would do. But I say we market with you because at the end of the day, you're the expert and you're the one that has the relationships and relationships are ultimately what sell the most books. You can do deals where you can sell a thousand books to one company and that's a deal that will only be done through your relationship. But we can help you with things like a press kit. We can make sure that your Amazon author page sells you in the best way. So I have a copywriter on staff who does all the copywriting to make sure every piece of marketing material is positioning you to achieve your goals. So your Amazon page. We also create, I think I said a press kit already, but we'll also do podcasts. We'll line you up with some key podcast interviews. So we call it a virtual book tour. And then depending on what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve, we create a launch plan for you. We'll help you get some Amazon reviews. We'll help guide you through getting your own Amazon reviews. And we have a checklist of things like here's what you need to do for launch. Here's what we'll help you do. Here's what you need to do. And we figure out who's doing what by when. Most of the time, you need to have about three months of planning and your book basically needs to be almost done and then you have three months before you launch because you want to be sending it out to people to get advanced review copies. You need to get endorsements and testimonials. So, And they're different, right? You need endorsements from people who are well-respected in your space, recognizable names. And then you need testimonials from people who read your book and go, yeah, this made me $10,000 or this saved me money. I'm skinnier, I'm richer, whatever it is as a result of what I learned in this book. So you need to do that in advance. And a lot of people finish the book. They're so excited to get it out that they don't take the time to do those things. So we guide people through that so that when you launch, you're actually launching, you're actually launching up and not going... <laughs> nobody it's on amazon but nobody's buying my book well <laughs> there are eight million books one more point about that is there's eight million books but you're not competing with all eight million you really just need to stand out in your category and stand out amongst the people that you need to stand out in in your industry definitely and that brings me to another question when picking your title and picking your niche or how other people like to say your niche, depending on where you're from. But when you're picking that, you know, is there a formula that you guys kind of look to when you're looking for keywords and things like that? Or, or is it more so let's write your book, let's come up with a good title, let's come up with some good copy and we'll go from there. Or do you guys do kind of keyword research and things like that? We do keyword research more for subtitles. The title, there's kind of a checklist that we run people through. One of the things is is there anybody else with this title? And you can have the same title as somebody else's book, but the challenge is now if somebody types it into Amazon, they might not be sure which one's you. If they type it into Google, are they going to find you? So there's like a branding and marketability challenge if there's another title out there. So I don't like you to have the same title as somebody else just because you can't. Is the URL available? It's not a deal breaker, but again, it's the same challenge, right? You really want to be the only one, if you can, with that book title keywords, I would probably put keywords into the subtitle more than more than the title itself. But if for some reason you can get a keyword into the title, that's great. But again, you have to, it has to create curiosity and it has to be something that's easy to say. So this is a challenge. It's funny because my second book, it's called The New Brand You. 
And the number of people who get it wrong in media interviews and podcast interviews, I obviously didn't do enough testing. I should have just had a bunch of people say it. Like I should have said, okay, my book's called The New Brand You. And in five minutes, I should have said, hey, what was my book called? And just see what they were calling it. Because the brand new, brand new, brand new you, like the number of different ways that people say it wrong. So now that's one thing I've added to the checklist is tell people your book title and five minutes later, see what they say your book title was. If they remember it and they get it right, so those are some of the things that I highly recommend that you check and worry about more than anything. And can they spell it? Because that's another thing, right? If you're typing it into Google, it's just like a URL. You don't want it to be a weird spelling. Malcolm Gladwell can create new words like Freakonomics and those kind of people, but most of us aren't him. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I love that. This advice has been amazing. So, Julie, let's get back into your story. You have your real estate business going on and you have your brand new book launchers business going on. What, what else is on the horizon? What are you working on on a daily basis? Kind of give us a little bit more context in your, in your present day life. I'm trying to sleep a little bit more. I had a baby. I had a, so this is a crazy year. I had a baby in February, moved to Los Angeles in May, and launched my business late May, early June. So, so I'm just digesting all of the changes while my husband is starting to. So we moved to LA because my husband's pursuing a career as an actor. He started acting five years ago in Vancouver in Canada, but what he found was the parts up there, the good parts all get auditioned out of LA and then they fly them to Vancouver to shoot. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so it was getting frustrating for him. But even though he had has a bit of a resume from Vancouver, he's got to start over down here to build new contacts, get a new agent, all that stuff. So I'm also trying to do what I can to support him with that. So yeah, we're just... There's nothing new on the horizon because we've kind of tackled enough life changes for most people for five or 10 years <laughs> in one year. <laughs> we recommend only the best books on this show. With that being said, we can understand the urge to read the last book you've heard an entrepreneur get excited about. Well, guess what? You can go read it right now. We've partnered with Audible, an Amazon company that produces high quality audiobooks. Together, we are offering and for free a 30-day trial, and one free book as soon as you sign up. So if you've been eyeing a certain book but haven't quite been able to pull the trigger yet, we'd love to cover the cost for you. Just visit audibletrial.com slash before the millions to start reading or listening to your next free book. The link is also in the show notes of this episode at beforethemillions.com. The best real estate investing advice ever show is literally the only daily podcast that I subscribe to. And now I'm prescribing for you the world's longest-running daily real estate podcast. That's unprecedented. Visit joefearless.com slash show for the back catalog. Enjoy. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Hmm. I think Pitch Anything would be the book I'll say by Oren Klaff. Have you read it? I have. I have. Yeah. It's a very good. <laughs> yeah. It's probably my favorite just because it was one of those things where when we were raising money, we were raising money, but we were struggling a little bit. Read Oren Klaff's book and just did some just simple tweaks, right? Like just the prize framing, just a few simple tweaks. And it's like, it was night and day. It was kind of struggle, 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 struggle. And then all of a sudden it was like, we figured it out. So I always give his book credit for that because it made things easier. I love that. I love that. Same here. His, his book was absolutely amazing. I even signed up for one of his courses as well, and it was, it was nice as well. So great book, great book recommendation. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. <laughs> I like pen and paper. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Truly, like I plan my week and I use a paper calendar and there's just something visceral about crossing things off that I have never been able to get that same feeling from an app. And I think that planning your day and planning your time and making sure you've got a clear action item so that you're focusing on the most important things is really important. And, and that's why I don't rely on any life hack apps because, you know, I need to structure my day and even turn off my phone so I can get stuff done. Love it. Love it. Love it. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? the freedom. I mean, I don't, I don't answer to anybody. I, I respect my clients. And so if my clients need me, I will step up. But at the same time, I, I'm in full control of my schedule. My staff knows how to get a hold of me if they need me, but they also know that I'm not, I don't stick to a nine to five schedule. I, I live my life the way I want to live it so that I can be there to support my husband. I can hang out with my baby. I can get my workouts in. So yeah, that's what I love the most. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Oh gosh, I didn't know I had to make them, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where 
you have to give up the comfort. I think at the end of the day, and I inherently knew that, and I still know that, obviously, moving to the States, changing countries, launching a new business with a baby, that's leaving all comfort behind. And I think inherently to achieve anything great, you can't, you just don't do it from a comfort zone, period. It's nice to have a little rest in your comfort zone every now and then, but I think I've inherently known that even though I didn't know it, if that makes sense. Looking back, I know now, but at the time, I quit my job at a place where there was not comfort. And I think it's the best thing I ever did. I would do that a hundred times over again, faced with the same choices. I would absolutely do that over and over and over again because the comfort zone is too comfortable and you will not create the life you want from the comfort zone. I love that. Life starts immediately after you exit the comfort zone. So that's amazing. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I mean, it's, it comes back to me, the choices I made and the things I was willing to do. But my husband, he was my boyfriend when we first started investing in real estate. I think I would have invested in real estate without him. I was on that, like I created the Freedom 35 plan and I was doing it, but it was more fun. Even the horrible things were more fun. And it's been more fun to have somebody to share the journey with and to support me and to pick me up on the low days. Because as I said, entrepreneurial life is such a roller coaster. You're up and down and you need that that person who's cheering you on and, and celebrating with you when there's things to celebrate. Definitely. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? Because you're comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> go do the thing that's scaring you right now. Go do it, period. A lot of people say, I want to write a book, but I'm scared. Guess what? That probably means the book is the very thing that's going to take you to the next step that's so much closer to the life you want to live. And that's why it's scaring you. Because you know, you're going to get uncomfortable when you write the book or whatever it is. And it's going to take you, you might have to give up a little bit of sleep. I'm sorry, but you got to get it done. And that you're comfortable now. You're thinking, I'd rather watch Game of Thrones when it comes out. (laughs) But yeah, get uncomfortable and the rewards will be there. I love that. Well put, Julie. This has been an amazing episode. And I know our listeners have gotten away tons of value from your story, just from how you started with your duplex to now you're doing larger commercial syndications, raising money, using other people's money, which I think is amazing. You've created cash flow. You started a whole nother business this year with your baby, by by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. And and you're literally living the lifestyle that you've always wanted to live. So I think that there's a a lot to be taken away from our conversation. And it's been amazing. If the listeners kind of want to reach out to you learn a little bit more about you or find out more about book launchers where can they find all this information booklaunchers.com and if you want to learn more about selling books I have a specific ebook that's it's eight ways to sell a thousand books for under a hundred dollars they can get that at booklaunchers.com forward slash sell books and all the newsletters if you hit reply it goes straight to me I'm a little crazy I like to read what everybody has to say so if you want to get in touch with me sign up for the newsletter hit reply and I'll say hello back That's amazing. And all of that information will be in our show notes. Again, Julie, this has been amazing. And I think that we'll definitely have to get in contact again soon and bring on the show for a part two because this has been spectacular. So thank you so much for your time and we'll talk to you soon. 